Um, it is just a gift to be together this morning. Um, Sherry's talking about the sunshine and it feels good. And, um, you know, I think we're all responding to the historic election in different ways. I've, I feel a little bit more energy. My hallelujahs are coming a little more naturally. I'm clapping my hands a little more vigorously. Um, in the spirit of authenticity, you know, just telling you uh, not necessarily who Jesus is calling you to be, but who I am right now, I was definitely bla blasting 90s dance tunes this morning as I was getting ready for worship. I mean, I did CNC Music Factory. I did Ace of Bass. I did uh, Delight. I mean, I was unstoppable. Um, nerd Game was on point, and whoo, that booty was shaking. So that's what happened to me this morning. Um, to be uh, perfectly uh, frank, though, also in the spirit of authenticity, it was draining getting to this morning. Anybody else? I've got you on gallery view because I want, but just raise your hand if it was draining getting to this morning. Amen. I see those hands. Um, you know, um, I don't know without naming any names, but uh, we may have spent too much time on the Internet. My hand is raised. Okay, we may have had more to eat or drink than usual. Okay, maybe you had one more of everything. Okay, <laughs> two more. Somebody had two more. Oh, I, that's all right. Um, you may have discovered some truly epic memes, some amazing jib jabs of uh, the Avengers one. Still, I just could watch that all day long. If you haven't seen, uh, there are a couple Avengers ones. One is better than the other. Um, but, hey, your productivity, let's be real, your productivity may have taken a nosedive, right? You may not have accomplished your goals. Uh, it might have cost you some of your well-being. I had an adrenaline crash yesterday, folks. All of a sudden, 3 p.m., suddenly my whole torso hurt and I had to lay down, I, you know? So it may have cost you something to get here this morning. Uh, you may not have made great decisions all week if that's you. Welcome, welcome. God wants to speak to you. Now, and just, just I'll allow, just in case, maybe this week you were at your most disciplined. Maybe this week you were your most focused and the pressure and the intensity and the chaos and the emotion brought you into sharp focus and you crushed your productivity goals and you were mindful and compassionate in your relationships. You had your final bite of food at 7 p.m. Uh, a mouthful of chickpeas on a bed of leafy greens. And you closed your day with a cup of chamomile tea and a meditation on God's holy word while your prayers rose like incense. If that is you this morning, I hate you so much. Just so much. Um, just kidding. It's only because I want to be you. I want to be you. Wouldn't that be amazing to, to be like that? I know, right? Hashtag goals. Carolina says, that sounds delightful. Let's try and be that person next week if we weren't that person this week. Um, listen, the chosen text for today is in the book of Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter 25, um, <clears throat> which is actually where Jesus has launched into a series of disturbing parables about what the world will be like when when the Son of Man returns after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, as I studied Matthew this week, it struck me that this book is written to a people who are culturally 
and spiritually homeless. See, of the four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew is the most Jewish of those accounts. It's the most preoccupied with Jewish identity and the way that Jesus of Nazareth fulfills Jewish identity and fulfills the Jewish understanding of God according to the scriptures. And I always thought, oh, that's just Matthew doing his, like, his theology, right? But as I read it this week, I started to wonder if the Jewish authors of Matthew were so preoccupied with Jewish identity because they had been told so many times and in so many ways that they weren't really Jewish, that they weren't really God's people, that they didn't really belong. Because in the years following Jesus' ascension to heaven, his followers were kicked out of the synagogues that formed their faith. They had their loyalty to their own people question why because jesus refused to exclude the downtrodden he refused to exclude the foreigner he refused to exclude those who were compelled to make their living in the street he refused to exclude those whose lives had been upended by illness and poverty and violence and instead he embraced them he embraced the outcast and he refused Jewish nationalism. He refused to make loyalty to God synonymous with loyalty to country. And instead, he expanded the imagination of his followers and called them to make disciples of every nation, saying God's family isn't just for our kind of folks. God's family is for all kind of folks. And because of their loyalty to the God revealed in Jesus, his followers found themselves cast out from the synagogues that formed their faith, cast out by the people who raised them in the faith and taught them to read God's word. And that's poignant for me today. Maybe maybe it's profound for you today because I believe that many of us on this call And many more who are not on this call are experiencing a feeling of being spiritually and culturally homeless. Maybe we felt it for a long time. We feel spiritually homeless, alienated from the churches that raised us. Alienated as we discover a a faith in Christ that isn't just about agreeing that Jesus died for our sins, but also that he calls us to love our neighbor. Yes, relationally, but also systemically. Yes, the people who are like us, but also the people who are not like us. And maybe that has cost us something and we feel spiritually homeless, alienated from the churches that that raised us. Those of us who are not white maybe have been feeling culturally homeless for a long time. We may have grown tired of trying to fit in, trying to prove our Americanness and our belonging to earn our place in a country whose words speak of equality and welcome, but whose behaviors and policies have had devastating consequences for black, indigenous, and people of color. Can I get an amen? Those of us who are white, who maybe grew up with a comfortable sense of American identity, may be reeling from the profound division and the profound identity crisis that is rocking the white community in our country at this time. A crisis of identity that is like so many other things in 2020, 
unprecedented. If that is you this morning, if that is us this morning, God's word has terrific news. God's word has really good news. Jesus is speaking with us in mind. And we're going to read a parable, and I, and I just I, I want to set this up, and I'll actually spend almost more time setting it up than going through it. See, in the book of Matthew, Jesus speaks repeatedly about something he calls the kingdom of heaven. And he never gives us a direct Western description of what it is or where it is. Instead, he's always telling stories about it. And as an islander, I love that approach. Let's tell a story. He says what it's like. He's, he makes statements about who it belongs to. He says that the kingdom of heaven has come near and that it belongs to those who are poor, to those who are not power hungry, to those who humble themselves and surrender their privilege. He says that in this kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The way things are will be totally reordered. And this kingdom that Jesus describes is never what we think of when we think of a kingdom. There are no banners. And the advertising blitz does not go through any of the mainstream channels. There's no coercive power involved. Instead, Jesus tells different parables, these stories with a hidden point or an obvious point. Each one, it seems that this kingdom is a tiny thing that makes an invisible difference whose far-reaching effects are only realized with time. He says this kingdom is like a field that's full of good wheat and bad weeds, and you can't separate them until the proper time at the end of their short life. He says this kingdom is like a tiny seed in the dirt of your garden, and you literally can't see it until it starts changing the landscape. He says it's like a bit of yeast mixed into dough that you won't even notice until after that dough's been baking for a while and it starts to rise. He says it's like a treasure worth giving everything for that you weren't even looking for and nobody knows about. He says it's like a bunch of fish caught in a net and you can't tell which ones are worth keeping and which ones you should just throw out until you go through the whole catch. So hear these words as Jesus talks about the kingdom and as he speaks to a community that is culturally and spiritually homeless. This is Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. It's going to appear in your chat. There it is. And however you choose to do it, if you choose to read the chat or read your paper Bible or just close your eyes and listen, let's give our full attention to the reading of the word of God. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. 
And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can we pray together? Jesus, we thank you for your grace and mercy. And we thank you for the many ways that we can testify today that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for the ways that we can feel that. At the same time, God, we acknowledge there is much to be disturbed about in the world. There's pain in our bodies, pain in the lives of those we love. There is pain in our nation this morning. And this parable far from comforting us, uh, offers us a a disturbing image of what will happen when you return. And so, God, we ask that you would come in grace and mercy and help us to negotiate the disturbing realities, yes, of this text, but may the disturbing realities we read here speak into the disturbing realities of this moment and of our time and of our lives. Oh, that you would speak to us, Lord Jesus. Oh, that you would speak to us when we are culturally and spiritually homeless. Spirit of God, speak through the word of God to the people of God. And we all said, amen. Amen. No matter how hard it gets, and no matter how long it takes, Christ will return and inaugurate the life-changing celebration that is the kingdom of heaven. No matter how hard it gets, and no matter how long it takes, followers of Jesus can look forward to the life-changing celebration that is the kingdom of heaven. And what I want to say to us this morning is that because Jesus will return, it's okay. And I don't mean it's okay Jesus will return so we don't have to pay attention to the realities of evil and injustice. I don't mean it's okay some of us are happy about election results, it's all good. That's not what I mean. What I mean is It's okay. Jesus will return. So it's okay to be sad. Jesus will return. So it's okay to be tired. Jesus will return. So it's okay to hope. It's okay to be sad, family. Because we in the USA are a profoundly divided people. It's okay to be sad because God's holy church, and for many of us, the churches that raised us, the precious people for whom Jesus died, are a profoundly divided people. And it's okay to be sad because as we follow Jesus and say yes to his way, this way of surrendering power, this way of embracing the outcast, we are going to lose some people. 
I mean, Jesus sort of gives us the punchline from the get-go, right? He goes, uh, there's 10 bridesmaids, 10 young ladies invited to this life-changing celebration, and 5 out of 10 are going to make bad choices, and they're going to miss out. 5 out of 10. I mean, this is actually a, a sad story. With half of these young ladies at the end trying to get in the party and, and the and the master saying, no, I don't know you. That's That's heartbreaking, right? It's a very poignant picture. And church, what I want us to know as we follow Jesus out of the grip of nationalism on his church, out of the grip of militarism and patriarchy and whiteness and capitalist mythology, and into this way of surrendering our power and embracing our neighbor, church, not everyone is going to make it to the party. Not everyone is going to make it to the party. They won't be ready. And this series of parables that Jesus is telling right before his crucifixion are all about that fact that not everybody is going to say yes to this. And there's going to be a separation. And the consequence of the lack of readiness of God's church to follow the way of Jesus is going to continue to look like thousands of people incarcerated at our borders as never before. It's gonna to continue to look like families ripped apart by a cruel system. It's gonna to continue to look like a legal and economic and educational system that produced radically inequitable outcomes based on race. It's gonna to continue to look like the most heavily armed society in the history of planet Earth, the first nation ever to have more weapons than people and not just weapons, firearms, more firearms than people. That's never happened. It's gonna to continue to look like the devastating consequences of our trust in violence. It will continue to look like a profound misunderstanding and dare I say it, a perversion of the word and work of God. It will continue to look like 69 million people who are more or less okay with that. And this resurgence of white nationalism that we've seen, this denial and excusing of personal and systemic violence, it's not over. And we need to mourn that. We need to grieve that. If there is sadness in your spirit this morning, I want you to know that there is room for that, that God sees that sadness. And we need to bring all the pain in our hearts to God. Not everyone is gonna make it to the Jesus party. And the consequences of not making it are alienation from God and from our neighbor. And if you are feeling grief today, I want to say, church, it is okay to be sad. It is okay to be sad and it is okay to be tired. Because we are waiting for the kingdom to come in its fullness. And my Lord, it is taking too long. If Jesus is taking too long to make things right, will you wave your hands at me? I mean, if you are getting tired of having to wait for the world to be healed and better, oh my God. I mean, that's something that all the bridesmaids have in common. The foolish and the wise alike. They're all invited to the party. They all want to go, but it takes longer than any of them can stand and they fall asleep. That's what we're going through. Seeking the kingdom of heaven. 
longing for the kingdom of heaven, waiting for the kingdom of heaven is long, slow work. Like that seed in the ground of our garden or the yeast in the dough, the kingdom spends a long time being invisible. Way longer than I would like. I mean, I want to see a turnaround on my investment. Jesus, I gave you my life. I want to see a kickback at this moment. Por favor. And even when it starts to be visible, like a net full of fish or seeds that sprout in different types of soil, we can't tell what's what for a while. We don't know which of those seeds are going to grow into something good and which are just going to die. We don't know which of those fish we get to keep and enjoy and which ones are just a loss. And the heartache of watching those kingdom seeds spring up and not make it. The heartache of seeing that the field that God lovingly sowed with good things was then polluted by bad things from the enemy. The long years and the lifetimes, the lifetimes of waiting for Jesus to heal the earth. This is exhausting. That's why my body shut down at 3 p.m. yesterday. So church, if you are tired today, I want to say it is okay to be tired. I know parties are going off. I know that I was bumping Ace of Base at 6 a.m. this morning. You might not be there, and that's okay. It's okay to be tired. And let me remind us that when God reached into the chaos and the darkness to form this good world in the beginning, on the seventh day, God rested. God rested. God wants to create a good and beautiful kingdom. God is creating the kingdom of heaven on earth. But in the midst of that good and important work, God calls us to punctuate our lives with Sabbath. Church, don't fight your tiredness. I know that our culture doesn't value it. Right? We live in the grind culture, 24-7 grind. Let's hustle. Let's get it done. Let's go, etc. But when we feel that tiredness, I invite us not to fight it. I invite us to receive that tiredness as God's invitation to punctuate our lives with rest. And I won't give us a prescription or a formula for it, but let's pray and ask the Spirit, Lord, what does it mean for me to rest in this crazy time? How do I experience Sabbath rest in the midst of COVID lockdown? How do I experience Sabbath rest when I'm raising little children? How do I experience Sabbath rest when I've got my own mental health battles or whatever it may be? Ask the Lord. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how to rest right now. Because we are going to get tired. And that's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be tired. But church, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The kingdom is already showing up on earth and it's only going to increase. And family, that means it is okay to hope. It is okay to hope. My Lord and my God, it is okay to hope. And I, I'm not good at this one. I just kind of like, I'm a prepare for the worst kind of person. I'm a just in case kind of person. But as I look at this text this morning, I see that no matter how hard it is and no matter how long it takes, Christ will return and there will be a life changing celebration. 
And for those who keep the long watch, God has a life-changing celebration for us to look forward to. It is okay to hope. People are going to be all over the place. Your friends, your family, they're going to be in different stages of grief and weariness. We are going to experience those things inside of ourselves. But don't forget this. It is okay to hope. When you feel that hope growing in you, when you feel that desire to let the baseline drop and to move your body with joy, don't be afraid to hope. When you feel the desire to reach out to your neighbor in love, don't be afraid to hope. When you feel the desire to seek reconciliation and healing with people that you would describe as opponents or enemies, don't be afraid to hope. When you feel the desire to walk away from addictions and compulsions and believe that God could heal you, don't be afraid to hope. Jesus is coming. His healing has already begun. The kingdom is already making its way onto planet Earth. The enemy is already cast down and we can see the seeds of the kingdom growing up in the dirt of creation. I want to take care not to put our faith in political systems or symbols. Politics is a heck of a drug. And I was high as a kite this morning, isn't it? But I also want to own that those political systems and those political symbols have tremendous power. They have tremendous power to form our imaginations and to form our lives. And for the entire history of this country, our imaginations and our lives have been formed by the fact that the highest offices of this land have been controlled by white men. You know, with a little blip of an exception between 2008 and 2016. And in fact, we have written and unwritten laws that we enforce with violence that have intentionally excluded women and people of color from those positions of influence. And in the early 20th century, the Supreme Court of the United States was explicit that East Asians and South Asians could never be citizens of the United States of America. And so when the daughter of an African-American man and the daughter of a South Asian immigrant woman is elevated to one of the highest offices in the land with the overwhelming support of black and brown women whom our churches and our government have conspired together to silence and erase for hundreds of years when those women's voices are elevated to the point that it changes the landscape of the nation. Church, it is okay to hope. Can I get an amen? Can I see those hands? I see those hands when black and brown women impact a system that was meant to render them invisible, raising their voices until the whole world can see this image of black excellence and immigrant success. Church, it is okay to hope because if black and brown women can take charge of a government that sought to silence and erase them and take charge of a system that was meant to enslave them, what else is possible? What other healing might Jesus want to bring? What else might the creator desire? 
what more of the kingdom Jesus speaks of might also come to pass in our sight. It's okay to hope. It's okay to hope. In fact, I believe God would command us to cultivate hope. Gus is always telling me how hope is a discipline. Hope is a discipline. It's a choice we make. It's a, it's a practice we choose. And I'm not talking about hope in our country or our political systems. I'm not talking about hope in our own ability and strengths. I'm talking about hope that Jesus is bringing the kingdom. I'm talking about hope of healing for all of creation. I'm talking about hope that people who have been told that they are invisible will know that they are seen by their creator. That's the hope I'm talking about. I'm talking about the hope that the first shall be last and that those who mourn will be comforted and and the last shall be first and the meek will inherit the land and those those who hunger and thirst for justiceness will be satisfied. It's not just okay to hope. We are called to choose hope. We are commanded to be a people of hope. And maybe the greatest form of hope is to stay awake, to stay awake, to make sure we have the fuel in our lamp, to make sure that the wicks are trimmed, to keep the long watch through the nights of grief and sadness, cultivating hope, getting the fuel in our lamp, keeping the wick ready because we know that the master is going to return and we will enter a celebration, the likes of which the world has never seen. And the signs and the symbols, the little pictures that we see of the kingdom today will one day become the real thing, the real thing in all the earth. So as I close the day, I just wanna ask us, what do you need? What do we need to stay awake for the long watch? What do we need to ask Jesus for? What do we need to ask the Holy Spirit for to cultivate this hope, to be people who are ready for Jesus to do his thing in the world? How do we need his help to negotiate the grief and and the weariness? What do we need him to give us? I promise you, he wants us to ask. He does not want us to figure this out on our own. He does not want us to put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants and solve this problem in our own strength and our own thinking. He wants us to ask him. He wants us to say, Lord, give us what we need to keep the long watch. Lord, give us what we need to be ready for the coming of your kingdom. Because it was Jesus himself who endured the grief of loving a world that did not love him back. It was Jesus himself who endured the weariness of continually calling the the earth to have integrity before God and to love their neighbor. It was Jesus himself who was so unwilling to abandon hope that he refused to respond to evil with violence and instead 
gave his life on the cross because he never stopped hoping for the healing of creation and for all people to experience the loving and forgiving embrace of their creator. We can ask Jesus. We can ask Jesus for what we need. So I'm going to move us into a time of prayer as we close together. And I invite you to just respond to the word in prayer with me. Holy God, who endured grief. Holy God, who endured weariness. Holy God, who calls us to hope. We come before you today, Lord God. And we ask that in your grace and mercy, you would meet us where we are. We pray, Jesus, for all those who are struggling with grief today. We pray for the ways that our hearts are broken. We pray for the ways that there is disappointment and fear and anxiety. We pour out our hearts before you and ask you to meet us in the ways that we grieve. We pray for those of us who are weary. God, we pray for for the ways we are exhausted. We pray for the ways that our bodies are trying to shut down, are looking for an exit, are trying desperately to get some sorts of restoration. And we acknowledge that you are the source of restoration. And so we pray that you would show us ways to rest in the midst of this pandemic and all the pressures we feel and that you would restore our very souls. Oh, and Spirit of God, we pray that you would grow a wild hope inside of us, that we would be able to face the evils and the heartbreaks and the struggles and the weariness and believe, Jesus, that your peaceable kingdom is coming to this earth and the embrace of the Creator to all people is being realized starting today that embrace that was extended to us as you opened your arms on the cross, that embrace that, was, that embrace that was extended to us in every moment of the life that you lived. Grow hope in us, Holy Spirit. Grow hope in us. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Establish your authority Accomplish your will on earth as it is in heaven. Establish your authority. Accomplish your will in our lives, in our hearts, in our homes, and in the whole world. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.